0: Well, whether you are online or here in person, you are wanted, you are needed, and we're glad you're here. Very glad. And I know last Sunday we kind of celebrated all of our women with our Mother's Day Sunday. And I think we need to start off celebrating them again. And this time, for all of the women in here, thank you for letting your husbands come out and play. We had a great time. And it was just so... Refreshing and relaxing and it seems like the speaker that comes every year is so led by the Spirit it's as though each one of us as men are by ourselves and it's just God speaking directly to each one of us. His words are filled with such truth and and it was just it was just a great, great blessing. It's great. Pop. That was what we got. A posture of praise. He said, That's what we need. We need men who are full of pop are posture who who have a constant posture of praise it was great great word okay now we are talking about our calling through this month of may followers of christ have been commissioned to live under the authority of jesus and to make disciples which means we help others learn about jesus help others believe in jesus help others follow jesus We are also to love our neighbors. And you remember what we talked about last week. Keep an outstanding debt of love open to your neighbors. Don't ever pay that off. You just keep paying on Keep increasing the credit. It was a cool passage we looked at last week. Now, I think the best expression of love, of loving neighbors, is in the form of service. It's doing something for them. And that is another part of our calling, serving sacrificially. John Wesley, over 200 years ago, that great church leader said, One of the principal rules of religion is to lose no occasion of serving God. Since He is invisible to our eyes, we are to serve Him in our neighbor, which He receives as if done to Himself in person, standing visibly before us. Love that. Billy Graham would say, The highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. And then Peter, in his epistle, he combines these two aspects of our calling, loving our neighbor and serving sacrificially. Look at this passage. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I think we're getting somewhere now on seeing what this calling entails. Basically, the short answer on how best to love your neighbor, serve them. That's the best way. Got a specific word from Tammy. She said, where those people have been affected by the tornado, we need to go back in that tornado's path and just make ourselves available. See what they need. See if we can love them. See if they need prayer. See if they need a cup of sugar. <laughs> yeah, my kitchen is gone. I could use some stuff. Yeah, let's just let's just look for look for that moment. Peter here will mention two specific gifts. He'll say hospitality and he'll say words from God. But the teaching is clear. Whatever gifts you've been given, use those to serve. That's the first point. Our gifts were meant to bring glory to God by benefiting Others. Look how MacArthur put it. All Christians are but God's stewards. Everything we have is on loan from the Lord, entrusted to us for a while to use in serving Him. And all of this service that we offer others need not exclude our own families. Oh, I'm sorry, I, honey, I got to go down to the church, building. Really. I, I got to worry. Well, You've let the lawn go. (laughs) There's another place for that. We need not neglect our own homes. You know, my favorite preacher, Charles Spurgeon, look what he said You are as much serving God and and looking after your own children and training them up in God's fear and minding the house and making your household a church for God as you would be if you had been called to lead an army to battle for the Lord of hosts. (laughs) What What a statement. Starts in home. Starts in the home. And since we're talking about the home, I think this word from Max Lacato is timely. He explains that long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, it had kitchens and dinner tables. Even a casual reading of your New Testaments unveils the house as the primary tool of the church, the primary gathering place of the church, was the home. So you consider the genius of God's plan here. The first generation of Christians was a tinderbox of contrasting cultures and backgrounds. When Peter preached that first sermon on Pentecost, right after Jesus resurrected, those seven weeks after, at least 15 different nationalities were in one audience. That's why the speaking of the tongues and everybody hearing in their own native language was so incredible. So you've got all of this huge variety of humanity with all of their differences. You have Jews next to all of these different Gentile nations. And you've got men worshiping with women. And you've got slaves and master rubbing elbows with each other in this gathering. And they're hearing all of this message. They're seeking Christ. So how could the people of such varied background and culture get along? Isn't that... Us? I mean, isn't that America? Isn't that why we're called the melting pot? That hasn't changed. We still have this big conglomeration of all these different people from all over the world. And here we come together. And if 2,000 years ago, the church, the followers of Jesus, the people of God, if they were used to bring the people of God or bring people together with all of the major differences, politically and socially and religiously, Could it happen again? Could we be that source again? That that place where people are served. They come here. I was just talking to a guy this morning over coffee and he said, man, before I found this church family, I didn't know. I didn't know that this kind of thing existed. Do we have a front door? (laughs) Do we have a table? Do we have chairs? Do you have bread and meat for sandwiches? congratulations if you have those things you are qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries hospitality you got it you're ready lakato wrote this i put it up on the screen look something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary in a church auditorium you see the backs of heads around the table you see the expressions on faces In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result. Healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message. You matter to me and to God. You may think that they are saying, come over for a visit. But what your guest hears is, I'm worth the effort <laughs> as we move forward into this post-pandemic era, I think we'd be hard pressed to find a better way to serve than good old-fashioned hospitality. So I think I just i just want to say pray about that, e- each one of you in your homes, see if you might start implementing. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, serve somebody, you know, every other day. I, You can start light, but pray about it. And and you don't necessarily have to have them in your home, but there is something special about having them in your home. Pray about it. Pray pray about us kind of getting together with one another. You guys, it is one of the best ways to pull somebody in to the support of a local family, a local body. You just pull them in. I mean, even if it's grilled cheese. Well, I don't think there's anything really better than grilled cheese, but you just do that, and they'll... They will really feel loved. Okay. The gifts mentioned in Scripture are many. And, okay, I'm I'm going to do this to just kind of just throw out some seed. All right? One gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of administration. The ability to guide and direct people toward a goal. Another gift is the gift of discernment. Here, the ability to distinguish or appraise a person, a statement, a situation, an environment. Vital gift. Another gift is the gift of evangelism. The ability to clearly and effectively communicate the gospel of Christ to others. Another gift, exhortation. The ability to strengthen and encourage those who are wavering in their faith. Another gift, the gift of faith. The, uh, the ability to encourage and build up others in their confidence in God i'm looking to him another gift the gift of giving a gift that must that can help various needs in the kingdom but it's also someone that's there to help people who are struggling to meet the needs themselves the gift of healing this given this gift is given at various times and places to reveal the god of heaven to the sick or the tormented another gift the gift of interpretation This allows for the ability to explain or expound on a word that isn't fully understood. Another gift, the gift of knowledge, the ability to speak understanding into a situation. Another gift, the gift of leadership, the ability to lead or assist or protect or care for other people. Another gift, the gift of mercy, the gifting to be patient or compassionate toward those who are suffering or afflicted. Another gift, the gift of shepherding. Here, the ability to care for the spiritual well-being of others in the body of Christ. Another, the gift of prophecy. The ability to receive a message from God and then share it. Another gift, the gift of service. An act of service done out of genuine love for the edification of your community, where you live, where you are, where you work. Another gift, the gift of teaching, the ability to effectively communicate God's Word and what it means and then how it is to be applied. Another gift, the gift of tongues, speaking forth an utterance of prayer or a message that glorifies God. In the New Testament, typically this language was unknown to the one speaking it. Another gift, the gift of wisdom. The, insta- the, the intimate gift of understanding God's Word, which results in holy and upright living. You guys, I'm, I'm just scratching the surface of different gifts that are specifically mentioned. And I guess one of the reasons I wanted to take the time to kind of go through all those that I've just said anyway, was to whet your appetite. There are so many terrific resources online, tests that you can take to kind of say, oh, hey... I think this might be some of my spiritual gifting. And they're fun tests too. You answer all these questions and it comes back and says, Man, you're 60% profit. You, Whoa, you are 90% mercy. Man, you have got a great compassionate heart. Oh, you need to be in charge. You are an administrator. Oh, and you you can find out kind of where, and then you know what you do? We come to the local body or you come to your community and you figure out where could I use this gift? Where could, I, where could I plug this in? I have one lady sitting in this auditorium right now. I'm not going to embarrass her. But we went to her house and had a gathering. And she immediately after the gathering said, I didn't realize how much I needed to serve. It just changed me. Just being able to do people's dishes and do that. I, I'm serving. That's, that's one of my gifts. You guys, finding the gifts God has given and starting to use them will lead to, to a fulfillment of, that's really difficult to describe. Dr. uh, Scott Kurtzman, he's the chief surgeon at uh, Waterbury Hospital in Connecticut. He was on his way to deliver an 8 o'clock a.m. lecture one day when he witnessed one of the worst crashes in that state's history. Evidently, a dump truck whose driver had lost control flipped the truck on its side and skidded it right directly into oncoming traffic. The resulting accident involved 20 different vehicles. Four people instantly died. Thanks to years of emergency room experience, Dr. Kurtzman immediately shifted into trauma mode, and he worked his way through the mangled mess of people and metal, and he was calling out, Who needs help? Who needs help? And after 90 minutes, when all 16 surviving victims had been triaged and taken to area hospitals, Dr. Kurtzman climbed back into his car, drove to the medical school, and he gave his lecture two hours late. This is the kind of thing that Dr. Kurtzman was known for. And somebody asked him, why? Why'd you you die? And he said, a person with my skills simply can't drive by someone who's injured. I just refuse to live my life that way. You guys, you have been given skills, gifts, by no one less than the Holy Spirit. And you have an opportunity to really get involved in using what he's given you. Church is just so much more than showing up once a week and sitting in a chair. You you really have something to offer where you live, where you work, in your home. Each one of us have specific uh, specific gifts, skills. And it's a privilege to stop along the way and use them. It's a calling to use gifts to serve. And then the second main point, just briefly, to serve with God's strength. The scripture that I read to you at the beginning literally says, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. And you might be thinking, well, I, I mean, I've kind of got a servant heart. I can serve. Um, but can you imagine how much more effective it would be if you served with strength? You know why you want to serve with God's strength? Why do you want to tap into his power? Because he never needs a break. You know he doesn't own a bed. God does not sleep. The psalmist actually told us that. He who watches, of you, watches over you does not sleep. He does not slumber. He watches both your going out and your coming in for now and forevermore. We tap into his strength because he has boundless energy. The scripture actually says, Jesus said, my father, he's just always at work. He's just always. Here. Some of you you, you, you can't shut your mind down at night you think you got it bad god oh my word it's just going but he never gets tired you guys we have to have the reminder that we completely dependent on him what better way to do that than to make us have to have sleep once every 24 hours i mean we we gotta have it if we don't we start going nuts we got we gotta be able to shut down which points to our dependent on you guys i think i think i've told you this before i think god does his best work at me when i'm asleep i think that's when i'm most compliant and i'm out of the way He can just do what needs to be done sleep is a reminder that he's in control that he's sovereign and we serve at his pleasure and we serve at his strength and when that happens something wonderful happens this happened years back in grapevine texas if the Great Vine Faith Academy is a Christian school. And they would play a team that was from Gainesville State School. The Gainesville State School was a correction facility. In fact, I even wrote some of this stuff specifically down. It said that they were a high security youth correctional facility. The, the prison team only had 14 players. They had to play every game on the road. There was no way they could bring people into their facility to play they were 0 8 that year and the other team that they were playing was the the Grape the grapevine faith Academy so whereas the Gainesville school um, their uh, their families had disowned them they were outdated and used shoulder pads and helmets and they were on a well faith academy was seven and two with 70 players 11 coaches and had all the latest equipment and coach hogan the head coach of faith academy knew the gainesville team would have no fans and it would be no contest so he just started running this around in his mind we're faith academy we're a christian organization we're trying to follow jesus so he had an idea he thought what if half of our fans and half of our cheerleaders all cheered for the other team So he sends out this email to his faithful fans asking them to do just that. Here's the the message that he wanted them to have. I want them, these players, to know that they are just as valuable as any other person on the planet. And some of the people from his community, his Christian community, thought he was crazy. And one of the players actually asked him, Coach, why in the world are we doing this? And Coach Hogan said, imagine you don't have a home life no one to love you no one pulling for you imagine that everyone pretty much has given up on you and then imagine what it would feel like and what it would mean to you to suddenly have hundreds of people believing in you so the idea took root and on the night of the game you can imagine the surprise as those 14 players this is from the article Those 14 players, when they took the field, there was this banner that the cheerleaders built, the big one, you know, that you go busting through onto the field. They built them their own banner. The cheerleaders were leading the cheers for him. The fans were calling them by names. They worked that week to make sure that they got the 14 names of the kids playing. There was one guy from the Gainesville school who was a standout who went both ways. He played both quarterback and middle linebacker. His name was Isaiah. He said... I never in my life thought I would hear parents cheering for me to tackle and hit their kid. (laughs) Most of the time when we come out, people are afraid of us. You can see it in their eyes, but these people are yelling for us. They knew our names. After the game, the teams gathered at the 50-yard line to pray, and that's when this Isaiah guy from that team, he asked, he was convicted of assault. He asked if he could lead the prayer. Coach Hogan gave him the nod. This is what he prayed. Lord, I don't know what just happened. So I don't know how or who to say thank you to, but I never knew there were so many people in the world who cared about us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On the way back to the bus, under guard, Each one of the players was handed a burger and fries and a Coke and a candy bar, a Bible, and an encouraging letter from one of the players of Faith Academy. We can do this. You can do it in your community. Oh, by the way, when I read the article, I don't know who won the game. Do you know why? Sacrificial service doesn't keep score. We want to know the best way to serve at his pleasure and with his strength the answer is found in being available being available that's the secret will you make yourself available to him let's pray Father when I read about stories like that I'm, I immediately think okay I'm, that, that, that's who I'm, I'm following you That's what you prompted them to do. What what are you prompting us to do? Even more than what we are doing. Father, I know this room and these people online are filled with the hearts of servants. And I, I, I praise you for that. I just feel like there's more. And if that means making myself available, if that means making ourselves available, well, you got it. We sing to you right now and do just that.